Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. With respect to the end of the pandemic, we're not in the end zone yet. Still, our hospitals are overwhelmed. The obstacles young people face. School mask mandates. The impact that's having on their mental health is devastating. If Russia makes a choice to further invade Ukraine, we are jointly ready and all of NATO is ready. God forbid there be an invasion. America and the world cannot afford war. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Wednesday. Benny's out today, flying solo with uh, Clark at my side. I guess that's not slow, Lauren. That's just two of us. Uh, Theme of today's broadcast. Clark's always asking me for a title so we can put it up on Rumble. Democrats get so many things wrong. You have to question, is it stupidity or treason? I mean, it is that bad. It is that bad. And it starts here in the state. The North Carolina State Board of Elections. This is making national news, by the way. They say they could ban Madison Cawthorn from running for re-election to Congress. The North Carolina Board of Elections claims it has the power to prevent Cawthorn from running for re-election because of his alleged role in the January 6th riot at the Capitol building. Liberal activists have filed a challenge last month using an obscure disqualification clause in the Constitution, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which was put in there after the Civil War for insurrection. Um, Cawthorn has not been found guilty of anything. CNN reported Cawthorn, who has denied any wrongdoing regarding January 6th, filed a federal lawsuit last week to shut down the challenge. The election board and its court filing said his lawsuit is premature and should be dismissed. The board also said it has the power to disqualify candidates based on constitutional considerations, not based on just on state laws. States have long enforced age and residency requirements without question and with very few, if any, legal challenges. Well, that is established law. (laughs) That is established law. And we know when someone is not of age or someone doesn't live, although we've seen a number of times where people try to run in districts or areas that they legally cannot run in because they geographically don't live there. But, but th- those are established things. They're, they're not questionable. I mean, when was Madison Cawthorn found guilty of insurrection? But the state board of elections, they seem to think they can decide on their own. Did Cawthorn take part in an insurrection that would disqualify her from holding office? Cawthorn says he was nowhere near the rioters in January 6th. Now, he did speak at the rally that Donald Trump held earlier that day. There was some 120,000 Trump supporters gathered at the Ellipse, and Cawthorn spoke there. Well, so did a lot of other people. Liberal activists who have mounted the effort to disqualify his candidacy say Cawthorn stoked violence and aided in the insurrectionist. Days before the attack on the U.S. Capitol, he said it was time to fight. Oh, come on. Right now, we've got um, Sarah Palin is up at a court case in New York against the New York Times because the Times came out, this is back, what, how many years ago was this? When 
The shooting took place down in uh, Texas, and Mark Kelly's wife uh, was Gabbert was um, shot and injured, and they tried to blame that on Sarah Palin because she was said she she had some advertisement out for conservative a conservative candidate says we you know we we need to we need to target this candidate and take this person out of office and they tried to they tried to tie that in that. Sarah Palin is is guilty somehow of murder. And, of course, the New York Times has said, oops, we, we made a mistake, and now Sarah Palin's actually uh, suing them for that. But this is the same kind of thing. Now, Cawthorn is probably going to have to go through this entire sham, and a, a rational judge will eventually throw it out. The attorney for the State Board of Elections wrote on page six of the brief in response to Cawthorn's request for an injunction. The plaintiff notes, Article 1, Section 5 of the U.S. Constitution provides that each house shall be the judge of the elections, returns, and qualifications of its own members. U.S. Constitution, they cite the page and number. In policing candidate qualifications pursuant to his constitutionality, delegated election duties. However, the state does not run afoul of Article 1, Section 5. The state does not judge the qualifications of the elected members of the U.S. House of Representatives. It polices candidate qualifications prior to the elections. In doing so, as indicated above, states have long enforced age and residency requirements without question and very few, if any, legal challenges. The state has the same authority to police which candidates should or should not be disqualified per Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And again, that is the 14th Amendment was put in there after the Civil War. It reads, Section 3, 14th Amendment, no person shall be a senator or a representative in Congress or elector of president or vice president or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state who, having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. And again, show me where Madison Cawthorn has been found guilty. But do Democrats really want to uh, start enforcing this? I mean, do they really want to start enforcing this? I mean, when you, when you be, begin to, to pull this apart, to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid and comfort to the enemies thereof. Uh, can, can you look at the Democrats and honestly say that uh, they're doing a good job, A, supporting the Constitution, and B, making sure that we don't give aid and comfort to the enemy? My gosh, the, the number of stories I've got in, in the pile today that you have to ask yourself the question, who exactly, are the, what are the Democrats doing? Who are they supporting? It's not the American people. And again, where do they, this is the same state legislature, I mean the same state board of uh, elections, that last year, in the middle of the election process, decided they're going to change the rules. 
And Josh Stein, who's supposed to be enforcing this, the state laws, he was happy just to go along with the state board of elections. And yeah, we'll change the rules in the middle of the the election process has already started, but we'll change the rules. Yeah. Is that going to benefit a certain party? Yeah, it did. They didn't prevail, but it certainly helped them. Unbelievable. I, I mean, the fact that Madison Cawthorn even has to fight something, that, that, that the State Board of Elections has no authority to do this. Yes, you can make sure that the person is of legal age and lives in the district, is a citizen, I mean, that's the other thing. I mean, these liberals, they'd be happy to have a non-citizen run, certainly be happy to have non-citizens vote in the election, but then they automatically take it upon themselves. Oh, yeah, well, well, 14th Amendment, Section 3. We have the right to tell Madison Cawthorn he can't run because there are people out there that are accusing him of something. (laughs) I didn't realize that if you were just accused of doing something wrong— that you'd have a state agency that can suddenly penalize you, tell you you can't run for office because somebody out there accused you. And we're going to assume that that accusation is correct. And so we're going to just tell Madison Cawthorn you're not allowed to run. Listen, I'm not – Madison Cawthorn, it it, it doesn't matter who the individual is, where he is. This is out of bounds for the State Board of Elections. (sighs) Greg Murphy was one of a number of Republicans who have signed a letter, more than three dozen Republican lawmakers, calling on Joe Biden to undergo a cognitive test, just as Donald Trump did while in the White House. Now, if you remember, the the Democrats were all about Donald Trump taking a cognitive test, going around saying, oh, he's nuts. He doesn't have the cognitive ability to run the White House, to be the president. Biden is the oldest man to ever hold the office of presidency, 79 years old. And this is just year one. 37 GOP lawmakers, including Greg Murphy, join Ronnie Jackson, who's been on this program before. He represents, uh, he, he was, remember, he was the doctor for uh, Obama and for Trump. And I think perhaps somebody else, maybe uh, Bush. But uh, at least for Obama and and Trump, and now he's a member of Congress, they're sent this letter, also signing the letter, uh, Elise uh, Stefanik of New York, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, Jim Banks of Indiana, and uh, the GOP Doctors Caucus, which, again, Greg Murphy is a member of. In their letter, they express concern with Biden's current cognitive state. My colleagues and I are asking President Biden to immediately undergo a formal cognitive screening exam, such as the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, Jackson said in the email. As a former physician to three presidents of the United States, I know what it takes mentally and physically to execute the duties of commander-in-chief and head of state, Jackson said. Joe Biden has continually proven to me and to the world that something isn't right. The American people deserve to have absolute confidence in their president's cognitive ability. Jackson said Biden's taking the cognitive test will be an important first step to reassure Americans that he's still fit for office. He said the test could help in identifying and properly treating symptoms of impairment that are consistent with a variety of cognitive disease, such as Alzheimer's, 
dementia, Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis. The doctor also said all Americans should be interested in the findings. This is not a partisan issue. When I discussed taking a cognitive test with President Trump, he was eager to assure the American people and to put the fake news media story to bed. Why won't Biden do the same? We can only assume the worst if he doesn't submit to the same standard that his own party demanded of the last administration. The precedent has been set. In the letter, the Republicans say they believe that regardless of gender, age, or political party, all presidents should follow the example set by Trump to document and demonstrate sound mental abilities. Quote, while you underwent your annual physical exam on November 19th, 2021, you either did not face a cognitive test or those results were withheld from the public. These all Alzheimer's Association list changes in mood and personality, including being more easily upset as one of the 10 signs of mental decline. You displayed this type of mood change during a cabinet meeting on January the 24th when you apparently did not know your microphone was on after finishing opening your, uh, your opening remarks and you called the White House reporter a stupid son of a in response to a question asked on inflation. Yeah, that was uh, Pete Ducey. You know, I, I have a friend who is a doctor who is very well versed in dementia. And uh, he, he's just volunteered this information that Joe is, uh, has the signs. They're not going to do this. Why? Because they know he would not pass. Uh, I, whether or not they actually gave him a cognitive test or hid the results, Either way, that speaks loudly. I wouldn't be surprised if they said, nah, skip the cognitive. We know, we know Joe's not there. Let's just skip the cognitive part. <laughs> don't, don't, let's not examine that because we know he's not going to do well. And if anybody asks, we'll just say, eh, uh, we'll have to, we'll, we'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll circle back to you on that. <laughs> I'll circle back on that one. Thank you, Jen. Hey, listen, we're going to take a time out. When we come back, Fauci is uh, also known as Alfred E. Newman, um, has begun to backtrack, and uh, maybe Americans can finally begin to breathe easy. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back again. Taking a look at your weather forecast. Uh, It's going to be clear at night and sunny during the days and uh, it's going to be a nice four or five days uh, lows in the uh, overnights mid 30s to around 40 highs during the day parts uh, next four days anywhere between 60 and 70 so get out and enjoy we've had some uh, miserable weekend weather over the last several weeks not so much this weekend it's going to get nice so enjoy Dr. Dr. Anthony Alfred E. Newman Fauci, chief medical advisor to Biden. That is the big red flag. I know. I know. He said in an interview published yesterday that the U.S. is almost past the, quote, full-blown pandemic phase of the coronavirus and said he hopes that all virus-related restrictions could wind down in just a few months. Isn't it curious Uh, In fact, New York came out today. Now, they didn't do this for the schools, 
But you know how um, up in New York they were shutting down businesses and you have to have a card to go to a restaurant. And uh, they were they were pretty Nazi-like up there. Um, Democratic Governor uh, Kathy Hochul decided to uh, undo that. So uh, starting uh, sometime next week, uh, it's going to end on Thursday this week. Uh, she would end that, allow it to expire. So now you don't have to be carded. You know, you, you don't have to have a card to go vote, but you had to have a card to go eat at a restaurant. So anyway, they're going to end that even in New York. But isn't it curious? All these Democrat states and now Fauci comes out. They're all doing it at the same time. I heard somebody on um, the uh, show earlier today, a caller came in and, and said, and I thought this is a great point. And it's interesting that they have pushed back the State of the Union address to March. And wait for it. But Joe Biden will get up there on stage and he will probably pull something for trying to pat himself on the back as the great Messiah who came and cured coronavirus. The, it's over. Oh, oh, we can bow down to our president. He did it. He did it. He got rid of coronavirus. Fauci discussed his idea of the virus's goal and aim and trajectory with the Financial Times. He did not mention a specific month or season, but told the paper that these restrictions, including mask mandates, could end soon. Now, perhaps they'll hold that so Joe can announce it at the State of the Union. I think that's likely. You know exactly what the source is. Mark your calendars. When is the State of the Union, Clark? I think it's, what, March 6th or something? Mark your calendars and, and note, I, I, I have no inside information, but I would not be at all surprised if one of his opening comments is, we've achieved victory. We got it. We got it. March 1st. Okay. You watch. You watch. March 1st. Was that uh, less than about two weeks away? Uh, the number of people in the hospital with COVID across the United States has tumbled more than 28% over the past three weeks to about 105,000 on average, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Fauci told the paper that there's no way to eradicate the virus, but it is his hope that we're looking at a time when we have enough people vaccinated, enough people with protection from the previous infection, that COVID restrictions will soon be a thing of the past. He also said it may not be needed for all Americans to get boosted in the future. How quickly that changed. I mean, it was just, what, days ago, a couple of weeks ago, that you got to get, vac- you know, get vaccinated and get your booster, get your booster, get your booster. You know, Alfred is beginning to realize that he is leading a parade, but nobody's following. I really think this is why he probably came out and did this interview and said, you know what, maybe I ought to change my rhetoric because nobody's listening to what I'm saying. You know, congratulations. The, the parents are winning in the school fights. The truckers are winning up in Canada. Private business is winning in New York. Alfred is not being listened to. And the sooner that Alfred E. Newman, a.k.a. Anthony Fauci, understands that, the less embarrassing it will be for him. I mean, he literally is leading a parade, and he's turned around, and he realizes, oh, nobody's following me. But stop and think about this. Stop and think about the damage that this guy has done. How many hundreds of people, thousands perhaps, in the military that had to resign, in the medical industry that had to resign, 
first responders that had to resign, businesses that were shut down? How many kids over, I mean, these kids have been wearing masks in school for a year and a half, two years. Totally unnecessary. Now, I realize early on we didn't, although early on Fauci said masks don't work. And I realized we were learning as we were going, but we've known for a long time that kids were going to be fine. Statistically, what I mentioned it yesterday, statistically, it's 0.008% of the kids that have issues with coronavirus. We knew they didn't need the masks. We knew they needed to be in school. But uh, Anthony Fauci, By the way, just as predicted, Representative Hakem Jeffries, socialist, chairman of the House Democratic Caucus, tried to credit Joe Biden and his administration for the decrease in COVID-19, came out today and uh, said that the rollback of restrictions state governors have announced in recent days is because of Joe. (laughs) Thank you, Joe. Here's where we are in America. Job creation is up. Wages are up. Unemployment is down. Omicron variant is in retreat. And it's not by accident. It's because Cousin Eddie, Joe Biden, and his leadership, a public health infrastructure was put into place, beginning with the American Rescue Plan, without a single Republican vote to ensure that we can do everything possible to crush the virus. And that is what has been happening through the trials and tribulations of a once-in-a-century pandemic. Listen, the only reason they're taking bows now is because there is rebellion in the streets. Literally. Literally rebellion in the streets. If there's a silver lining to all this, it is that not only in America, but up in Canada as well, and you see it in European countries, The masses are waking up, and they're saying, enough. This is the silver lining because, you know, I mean, because of coronavirus, we had the curtain pulled back on education, and we saw what was going on there. And we had the curtain pulled back on the authoritarianism of liberals. And people are getting involved. I mean, you you have people that are going to be running for school boards here locally in eastern North Carolina, but across the United States that had never dreamed of getting involved in any kind of service like this, political office like this. School board, political office, okay. You can say it is or it isn't, but getting involved, and that's a great thing. Even if they're just showing up at school board meetings and letting things be known The Daily Wire is reporting comedian Heather McDonald on Tuesday joked about the fact that she collapsed on stage. She was, I've never heard of her. I don't know if she's funny or not. But um, part of her skit was she would get up and uh, she was only one joke into her routine this past weekend. She was telling a joke about the fact that she was fully vaccinated and boosted. (laughs) She boasted she was boosted. Uh, She said, I don't mean to brag. I don't care. But I want you to know I'm double vaxxed. 
I've gotten the booster, gotten the flu shot, and I'm going to be honest, I've gotten the shingles shot too. Traveled to Mexico twice, did shows, meet and greets. Never got COVID, she said. Clearly, Jesus loves me the most. Seriously. The comedian, right after that, fainted, fell to the floor, cracked her skull. She's got two black eyes. She's okay. Two black eyes. Uh, coincidence? <laughs> I'll tell you what. Uh, curious. Outgoing Democrat Representative Jim Cooper of Tennessee sat down for an interview with a local newspaper in Nashville to give his thoughts on the upcoming election and the future of the Democratic Party. Cooper's predictions were far from optimistic. He's, the guy, he's one of the guys that just says, I'm not running for your election. He sees the handwriting on the wall. Was it like 30, 31 now, Democrats that aren't running for re-election? He said that uh, the party is facing extinction in Tennessee. Now, he was talking primarily about Tennessee. Claimed that Democrats have no strategy to appeal to rural voters. They are losing rural voters. As usual, Democrats are not alert to future dangers. As usual, he said. The biggest danger we face in an off-year election after we won the White House is the 100-year trend toward the other party. Redistricting is small potatoes compared to that historical trend. Asked if he believed the Democrats would prove competitive in the long term, Cooper said that he hopes so, but hope is not strategy. Cooper criticized the management of his party in his state and told the scene, the name in the paper, that the Democrats in Tennessee need a new direction. Their strategy is blind hope. Many of these folks you're probably listening to have probably never visited these counties. He's talking about the state leadership of the Democratic Party in Tennessee. They're not kin to these folks. Their best friends don't live out here. I've had the advantage of being born in Nashville but raised in Shelbyville. And, you know, what he's talking about there is true up on the national level, too, that these, and and unfortunately it's in both parties, they never leave the bubble of Washington, D.C. I mean, I know they're from all over the United States, but check it out. Check out the number of individuals that go to Washington, spend their entire adult career up there. I mean— Again, can we have term limits, please? And they get in this bubble. They rarely go home on the weekends. They go home when it's re-election time. And I'm sorry, it's it's both parties. I mean, when Elizabeth Dole ran for the U.S. Senate, and I know that a lot of people loved Elizabeth Dole, but I'm just trying to be consistent here. Elizabeth Dole wasn't living in North Carolina. She was living in Washington, D.C., where is she now? I don't. Maybe she's back in North Carolina, but as far as I know, she's still up in D.C. You got to get out of the bubble. By the way, PJ Media is reporting on a new real clear politics polling average of Joe. Now, these are all the polls, and these include adult Americans, registered voters, likely voters. All-time low for all these different polls. Real clear politics average. An average of 39.8% give Cousin Eddie a passing grade. 
Corn Pops apparently still loves him, but uh, he's he's part of the 39.8%. Um, what is really ought to really shake up the White House, though, is the spread between Biden's approval and disapproval numbers, which is nearly 15 points. Disapproval numbers, 54.4%. Approval numbers, 398 According to PJ Media, Biden's disapproval figure is in lose-by-a-landslide territory. And there's only about 5% of voters who don't have a strong opinion about Joe one way or the other. It's hard to believe that there are 5% of the people that don't have any opinion about Joe. I mean, they, they really must have their head in the sand. <laughs> it's hard to believe you couldn't have an opinion about Cousin Eddie. We're going to take another time out. Stay with us. Much more to come. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. We'll be right back. Whatever it takes. Because I love the adrenaline in my veins. I do whatever it takes. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. So we were talking a few minutes ago about uh, the truckers up in uh, Canada and uh, convoys here in the United States, for that matter. Did you catch what uh, MSNBC was talking about when they were reporting on the convoy and the shutdown? Now, and by the way, um, a bunch of Canadian provinces, uh, provinces last night announced they are rescinding the vaccine mandates. Uh, again, you know, this is a big victory for the truckers. Now, they might be coming out and saying, oh, they might be coming. Hello. All right. Let me take my headphones off. All right. That's that's OK. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> I thought I entered the twilight zone there. <laughs> All right. He's trying to play a clip, and apparently he's having some uh, challenges. You might have to turn my mic off to play the clip. We'll try that. Anyway, um, so there might be a little pause between what I say and when the clip comes on. The uh, Anyway, up in Ottawa— there was, uh, you know, all kinds of shutdown and, you know, the police chief was coming in, they're arresting people for bringing you know, fuel to the truckers and blah, blah, blah. And then provinces last night, um, several provinces came out and said, you know what, we're ending this right away. And uh, whether or not I, mean, I didn't hear anybody give credit to the truckers, you know, as far as the people that were ending the uh, the lockdowns and the vaccine requirements, but uh, obviously it had something to do with truckers. But bizarre way that MSNBC framed what was going on in Ottawa. <laughs> Not that it was bizarre, but the fact that they would call this an insurrection. But this is how the reporting was done. We've heard it called a nationwide insurrection. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, you know, you're talking about closed streets in the center of town there. It sounds like it's causing quite a bit of havoc, not just in that city, but across the country. 
Yeah, so the clip was just from our police chief here in Ottawa, Peter Slowly, and he said that the Ottawa police is overwhelmed, that they do not have the resources able to deal with what he's calling a siege and an occupation. And, you know, this is not just a protest. Ottawa, like any capital city, is used to a protest. But here, you know, right beside me, they've set up a Plinko table, one of those games you would see on The Price is Right. Hmm. They have open fire pits that are burning throughout the downtown. Uh, they have villages, essentially. They built structures on the street to, to keep people warm. They have a full set of... Um, I saw some pizza ovens the other day. Even in one spot, organizers had three different saunas and a hot tub set up. 